So we're going to continue this morning. Um, we're wrapping up the series on sowing that I began uh, three weeks ago. And uh, the title of the first message was Sowing and Growing. And we looked at how Jesus pulled the people to him. He pulled them out of the walls of an um, exclusive church environment where knowledge was um, only really considered to be for the, um, the very learned and the academic. And he pulled people to himself and he made the truth of the kingdom um, practical and accessible and easy to understand. Um, and so we focused on the seed uh, in the first time we talked uh, together and the power of the seed. Sowing and growing was the title of that. And then last week, we looked at the soil, and we looked at how important the soil of our hearts is and the soil of anybody's heart, that the soil is the foundation. Our hearts are the foundation upon which everything in our life is built. And so when we're instructed to watch over our hearts, to guard our hearts, um, that it's a really critical thing. And so we talked about how our hearts can be that that life-receiving, water-purifying place that a seed can grow and produce much fruit. And so today, we're going to be focusing on the actual sowing and the sowing um, of the seed. Um, and so the title of the message today is, Go and Sow. So I'm going to say to you at the end of the day, go and sow. And so um, let us go ahead and look at the uh, text um, that we're going from, and then we're going to dig into, into the meat of this. So we're going to look again at the passage in Luke here. And Jesus said this, he says, a farmer went out to sow, this is Luke 8, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it, and it choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. And then Jesus carried on and he gave the meaning to this and then the subsequent verses. And here's what he says. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones that hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Here we go. So, um, we, uh, Jesus has come, the devil is gone, and the word has come on the screen here, um, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. And the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, they retain it, and by persevering, they produce a crop. So that is what we're interested in doing. We are interested in producing a crop. We're interested in producing fruit. And so we're going to look at a couple of presuppositions here that are really important um, that we grasp before we go into what it is that we can be a fruitful people. So everyone needs presuppositions, right? Presupposition is something that you have decided ahead of time that is true, that regardless of what 
you're going to examine from that point on that there's a certain set of principles that are agreed upon ahead of time. So we operate on certain presuppositions in our lives. So here's one of the presuppositions we have in our household. Um, and that is that regardless of whether you are a teenager, you are a young child, or an adult, it should only take you 10 minutes or less to have a shower. That is the presupposition, right? Does anybody else agree with that presupposition with me? Okay, it doesn't matter who you are, but it should only take 10 minutes or less to have a shower. And so we agree upon this ahead of time so that when the event is actually taking place, then there is no place for debate or argument or conflict. And so when this is taking place, and a shower is now got to the 15-minute mark, and I call in and say, shut the shower off, it's time to finish, that if the reply comes, I'm not done yet, I can make a judgment. Is that a true or false statement? It's false. If the answer comes, um, I, I don't have enough time, is that true or false? It is false. We've already agreed that 10 minutes is enough time to have a shower. So because of these presuppositions, then we can rule out the argument in the debate uh, at the time. So of course, in my household, nobody ever takes longer than 10 minutes in the shower, but that isn't true. Anyway, so presuppositions. Um, let's read a couple of passages of scripture here that are really important presuppositions as we are talking about how we become a fruitful people. So we're going to read what um, uh, God said through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 55 and verse 10, if we can have that up, 55 verse 10, so this is a, a very well-known passage. And so the prophet Isaiah spoke this on behalf of God to his people, to 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 um, form something in them that was a presupposition. This was a basis upon which they could then operate from this point. And he said this, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bear and sprout, so... Uh, I'm sorry, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So we have this amazing promise from God, and he likens it again um, to a agricultural um, uh, image here that we can all understand and basically says when my word goes out it is like the watering of the of the earth it will cause something to grow so that is our confidence we have with the seed that God's give us and then also we have the apostle Paul in the New Testament and he shares this in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2 and verse 13 he's talking to the church uh, in Thessalonica which is in Greece and he says this, he says, for this reason, we constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it uh, not as the word of men, but for what it really is. It is the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. So we have this truth here that Paul was convinced of. And in all that he did in his ministry, he was convinced that his job was this, that if he retold and if he filled out what he had been told, 
by, by Jesus and, and by God that if he spoke those things, those teachings, that they weren't just words of men, and even though he as a man was speaking the word of God, that the word that he spoke was able to perform a work inside those who believe. That, that there was a spiritual operation here, that it's not just, uh, is what I'm being told something which is rational um, and believable? No, but there's actually a transformative spiritual process that took place inside these people in Thessalonica that when they heard the word and received it, they were actually changed within by the grace of God. And so this is what we too have to be convinced of when we are going to be sowers. And so these are our suppositions when we are commissioned to be a people who bear much fruit, that we got to start from this place of recognizing that the seed we've been given is a transforming seed. And if we have that belief, if we are faithful to then submit ourselves to what we have been commanded, we too, like Paul, will see a great harvest come. Amen? It's an exciting thing. So we're going to look at uh, some principles here. Um, of sowing so that we can be well equipped to be a people that bear much fruit. Um, so first of all, point number one, we are the sowers. Um, and Luke chapter 10 and verse 2 is a passage that we're going to read for this. And we're going to look into this here and see what this means. So Luke 10 and verse 2. So this is... Um, the account of Luke, uh, of what happens here, he says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Yay! <laughs> I'm just, that just causes faith to rise up within you, doesn't it? Do not take a purse, check, no problem there, or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. Okay, let's look into this and what is happening here. Remember, Jesus is speaking to a group of disciples at the emerging of the new covenant when he has come as God incarnate, and he is, he is breaking through to to show the church at the time um, the departure from the old covenant ways and the entrance into the new covenant. And this, is, this was new teaching, this is revelation. And so these disciples, this small group of people, were gathered together and it didn't take long, but after he was pouring the seed into them, he then said to them, commission them, and he said, go. So he said to them, the workers are few. That was certainly true then. Let me ask you this. Is that true now? It is not true now. I would suggest to you that the workers are extremely plentiful. That there were 72 people who he dispatched with great urgency to go out and send the message but we have far more than that right here this morning. And in fact, across this whole nation, we have millions and tens of millions of people. So while the, while the harvest is still great, 
The work is, in fact, a many. And it's a sobering thing for us to accept that if we can grasp this message and we can go with the fervency of this 72 when we are 72 million, perhaps, how much more of a harvest can we reap? Jesus is passing the baton, and it began here with disciples. We are the sowers. It's no longer that Jesus is the one who came to give the message, which he did. He, was, he, he did that for three years, but then he commissioned his disciples. There's a passing of the, of the baton. You know, have you ever been around someone who did something, and you enjoyed what they did, you were part of it, but it was them that was really doing it. And you experienced the fruit of that and you enjoyed it. I was part of something like this when I was uh, a, a young boy. I grew up in a household of people who loved to sail. My, um, f- my grandfather was a captain in the Navy. Um, my uncle, my dad's brother, was also a captain um, in the Royal Navy. Um, and my dad and his whole family, they grew up sailing. So we lived relatively close to the sea, which in England is not hard. You know, you can pretty much throw a stone and the country is so tiny and you'll be, you'll be by the sea. And so I grew up with a, um, a family of people who love to sail. So as a kid, I got kind of used to this. We would get in the car and we would go to the seaside or a lake. Um, and then my father would go about this process of rigging the boat which was super boring and always took really, really long. Um, While me and my two brothers and sister, we would kind of play around on the seaside while he was getting the work done. And then we would join him once the boat was completely prepared and ready. This was the exciting part. We would then get to sail. And so I I remember from a young age these fond memories of being at the seaside. And it was warm. The sun was streaming down. There was a good wind. And there was a sense of excitement when we got into this boat. It wasn't a a large boat, not a yacht. It was about probably 20 feet in length. Um, And my dad loved to sail. And so we would get into the boat. And then you would have this, this... you, you would begin to feel the wind blowing into the sails, and then you would actually start to pick up some speed. And my dad was a very good sailor, and he had uh, f- relatively fast sailing boats at the time. And any of you who have done this or are familiar with sailing understand that if you're in a fairly fast um, single-hull boat, that you, there's this contraption called a trapeze. Now, you're going to look like I'm crazy, but anyone who knows sailing knows what I'm talking about. There's a, there's a harness you get into. It's called a trapeze, and you're tethered to the mast by a wire, and you actually, on the very edge of the hull of the boat, you put your feet, and you lean all the way out, so you're like right over the water, because you need to counterbalance the wind, which is pushing the boat over, getting to capsize it. And so it was the greatest thrill for us to be with my dad and get to go on the trapeze. And so it seems like you're just whisking along when you're on the water that way because you're so close to it and there's a wind in the sails and it's just amazing. So this was my experience of sailing and I loved it. But then there came a day when I was about nine when my father thought that it was at the stage where he had taught me enough that I could sail a boat by myself. (laughs) And so it was a day for the baton to be passed to Jeremy. 
And so we had a really small boat, um, not the fast one, that my father put me in. He set me up, got me at the edge of the shore, refreshed my memory of all the things which I had watched and I'd seen over the many years, gave me some simple instructions, and then pushed the boat out into the lake for me to trim the sail um, and catch the wind. And so I realized in that moment that while I'd been in an environment like the disciples, where I had seen this done so expertly and so brilliantly, and I enjoyed the fruits of my father's skill and all his labor, that I realized I was not quite so confident and good at sailing as I thought that I might be, having done it for so long. And so the wind picked up, and I began to head out, and fear began to grow in my heart, because the wind, which had started off relatively light, um, began to pick up greatly. And so I could see my father from the shore, who was yelling instructions at me as I was trying to grapple with this. But everything happened faster than it used to when he was sailing. Why was everything sped up? I don't know. And so then the wind started to pick up. I started to lean back in the boat. I'm, I'm holding on to the tiller. I'm trying to trim the sail right. And then all of a sudden, the um, block which holds the ropes, they're called sheets in uh, sailing nomenclature, that holds it in the bottom of the boat to hold the um, boom um, to the boat. That keeps the sail from swinging out. It snapped off completely. So now I am out there, the wind is picking up, I have no control of this boat, I'm nine years old, and I am freaking out. What had happened here? Well, my father had passed the baton, and something that I had seen and been part of and benefited from was now something that I had to learn to do by myself. And the moral of that story is that she sent a rescue boat out to me <laughs> because I was out of control, out of my depth, and had to be rescued. Numerous people were observing from the shore in just in incredulity at seeing this tiny kid just freaking out, screaming at the top of his voice, father on the shore yelling instructions to him. They sent the rescue boat out, had to be towed back in to the shore. It was all very shameful. I received a lot of inner healing over it since that time. Um, and um, that is kind of my, uh, my sailing story. Now, why do I mention this? Because I think sometimes when we read about Jesus and his ministry and we read about the commission to be a people who extend the kingdom of God, to be sowers, we don't understand that the baton has passed that we are the people now to be out proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, to be sowing of what we've given so that people's lives can be changed. And well, while at this time when this was written by Luke and when Jesus spoke it, indeed the harvest was plentiful, but the workers were very, very few. But today the harvest is as plentiful and the workers are many. But we need, to we need to grasp the concept um, that the Great Commission is a commandment of God, and we are the ones who have the baton in hand, who have been commissioned to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to see people's hearts transformed, as Paul said, to see them receive the word and be transformed, because Jesus is gone. 
and it is for you and me. We are the sowers, and the baton is passed. Amen? All right. Um, so, point number two. Point number two is, so what? So what? Okay, let's talk about um, the actual sowing. So we want to be people who bear fruit here. So what are we sowing? What is it that we're sowing? So we're going to break this down and we're going to make it very, very practical. So we talked last week, when we were talking about the seed, that the seed is not just... Um, it is not just the gospel. It's not just the gospel of salvation. But what we are called to do is to sow of what has been sown into us. And so whatever it is that we have received, then that is what we need to sow. And so Jesus said this. Um, he said, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. There it is. Freely you have received, and so freely give. And so what you have received from, you are commissioned to give that out. So I'm going to ask you today, what is it that you have received from God? What is it that you have received that you can give. So we could do this interactively, but I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a few suggestions to you of how you can of how you can sow. So Diana, for example, has shared before the church before and in other settings how she comes from a family that has struggled with serious depression over, over some generations, and so she received freedom from depression complete freedom, something that she had struggled for for a long time was completely broken off her because she received something from God. And so as freely as she has received that, the commission is to freely give. And so she, her heart and her goal and desire is to spread the message of, of transformation that she's received from and see others be transformed from it too. So whatever it is that you have received, you've received it so that you can then sow that seed out too. So we have people here who have been dramatically physically healed. And what they are doing is spreading that message of healing out so that other people can receive from what they have received. And so we have all here received of salvation, uh, pretty much everybody, I believe. And so that's a message that we've received from that we can give too. That which you have received then you give. So, how do we sow? So, this is real simple. Sowing is speaking. If you have a tongue in your mouth, then you can be a sower. Sowing is speaking. In the passage that we read in Luke, Jesus uh, says this. Um, he says, those who hear the word of God are like... So, you can't be a sower without being a speaker. You can't be a sower without being a speaker. If you've received something, then you're in a position to freely give what you have received. So, let's talk about how this, 
how this actually uh, pans out. I, I make it my goal that when I'm with people, I want to leave them having given them something of God that I have, which they didn't have before I met them. I make it my goal to lift them up through encouragement, through exhortation, to be in a higher place than they were at before I met them. And I make it my goal to do this by just opening my mouth. And so w- let me tell you kind of how this worked for me. Um, when I was working in the corporate world before I was in this role, um, and how this just happens in a practical sense. Because you know what? The kingdom of God is practical. I think it's easy for us to get freaked out by when we hear about the gospel and we're talking about evangelism, but this is just a really practical thing. So when I was working as a sales manager and the different people that I helped train and I spoke to, um, my, my goal was to speak truth into people, the truth of God, so that they could, they could understand the destiny that they had in God. Now, I think it's a common misconception that we think people must be born again to be able to receive the, the truth of God. So I think sometimes we stop saying things which we believe are helpful to people because we think they're not saved yet, and so they're not going to get it. Now, I think if we look at the life of Jesus, that's not how he operated. He spoke the truth to people, and then it was that truth which then set them free. And then when they heard and grasped the truth, it turned their hearts unto repentance. And so I'll just give you a real simple example here. There was um, a guy that worked for me. We'll call him Toby just for just for ease here in case he might happen to ever listen to this uh, podcast. <laughs> um, and this guy was Mr. Negative. He was, he had a really poor, um, a really poor uh, view of himself. He was very much down on himself, which anybody who's ever been in a sales environment knows that that's just a, that's a recipe for failure in sales. Um, and um, he would come to my office uh, regularly and we would talk about his productivity and talk about um, what was going on. And um, generally speaking, he would kind of mope into my office and tell me all the reasons why things were not working out for him. And I listened to him and just let him speak and let him share his heart. And a lot of other people just got impatient with this guy. And I listened to him speak, and I would begin to ask him questions about, about himself and about what he wanted to do. And it took him off his kind of negative trail. And as I'm listening to him, I would say things, I, I would make a point of pointing things out to him that he didn't see. And I would say things like, Toby, listen, I want you to know that in this particular area, you are really, really good at this. You may not be so strong over here, but you are really good in this area. In fact, in this particular area, I think you are one of the most effective salespeople we have. 
And you would begin to see his countenance lift as I was speaking the truth of God into him and encouragement. Now, I wasn't, uh, I want to be clear here, I wasn't lying in what I was saying, but I was choosing to encourage him and speak truth into him about his situation. And I would say things to him like, I actually believe that if you can accept how you're hardwired and how you're made, and you can capitalize on these areas, that you are going to be a very successful person. I believe that there are things that you want to do in life that you are made to do, and if you pursue those things and find your way, that you are going to be successful in those things. And you, I began to see this guy change his perception of himself, which resulted in him changing his actions. And he shared with me that he had a dream. He actually wanted to get out of the sales environment, and he wanted to be an EMT, and which is kind of a dangerous thing to share with your boss, uh, basically, that I actually don't want to be in this job, <laughs> but I want to do a different job. But we had that connection that he felt he could do that. And so I applauded him in that, and I encouraged him in his job and helped him by, by focusing on who he was and who God had made him to be, and not the negatives, to help him be as successful as he could in the job with me. And he began to do better and better. And I also encouraged him towards him having a destiny and to speak destiny into his life, which he wasn't hearing from anybody else. And then I actually heard, I met with another friend from work um, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, actually, that told me that this guy, who we're calling Toby for now, he actually got to a position where he completed a certification and he got hired as an EMT. And so I'm just using that as an example of what it is to be a sower of seed. That we are speaking truth and life into people according to how we see it by the Holy Spirit. And that causes somebody to be built up and become something which they are not already. So does it mean that we're just preaching the gospel to everybody all the time? No, not necessarily. That's going to happen too. But what it does mean is we speak speak the words of Jesus, of life and encouragement to people that we see by the Holy Spirit. We ask for help from the Holy Spirit so that we can show people and point them down the path that they need to go in. And on that journey, they will find who God has made them to be, um, and they will be um, closer to God as a result of it. And so, that is just an example of what it is to, to be a sower. So, point number three, where do we sow? Where do we sow? Uh, I believe we can have that up on the uh, overhead. We sow everywhere. Now, we talked about this uh, previously when we talked about the parable of the seed here. And the first thing that I, I was struck by in the parable, that there was just seed going everywhere that it didn't matter whether it ended up on a path or a rocky place or it got eaten by birds, but seed was going everywhere. I, it was, I, I recently um, went ahead and brought a bag of fertilizer to go ahead and fertilize my um, grass, and I dispatched my middle son, Aiden, to go ahead and do the job of fertilizing. And I gave him a hopper, and I gave him a massive bag of fertilizer, and I gave him some general instructions of how to do this, and I said, go have at it. And so he was out there fertilizing away for like an hour, and then I came out to survey the results of that, and like there was fertilizer 
like uh, you, you could see it lying on top of the grass. There was fertilizer on the path. There was fertilizer in the pool. There was fertilizer on the deck. There was fertilizer in the house, probably. Like he had gone around and this fertilizer had just gone everywhere. In fact, he put so much fertilizer in different parts of the grass, it killed the grass. So like this analogy is going to break down at, uh, at this point here. But, but he had this concept of, okay, I've got this fertilizer. Let's just... It's designed to make things grow. Let's get it everywhere. And he understood the concept um, of, of sowing, that we are not responsible for determining the best or the right place to sow, but we sow the seed everywhere. The farmer cannot tell by looking at soil necessarily whether that soil is going to accept a seed and whether it's going to create a harvest. But what we are commissioned to do is to take the seed and sow it everywhere. Because the seeds which have been sown into my life, there is no limit to how much of that I can sow out. The only limit is how long can I keep talking? <laughs> the, the seeds of goodness and the seeds that I receive from God they are limitless in my ability to sow them out. So we had Todd White who came, some of you were here a few years back now, who came for a conference here. Who was here when Todd White was around? Probably about half of us here. But Todd White, when you, when you listen to him and watch him, he is a perfect example of this. Every single opportunity, basically, whether he's in Starbucks, whether he's crossing the street, he's about to get on a plane, someone's taking his ticket, Every single person he sees that heart as soil. And so that which he has received, he chooses to speak, sowing is speaking, and throw it out there. And whether somebody curses him out, whether someone dismisses him, whether someone is apathetic, or whether they choose to receive it, it is of no regard to him. He sees his commission to be a sower. And I think probably the greatest thing that we can do is with our rational Western um, mindsets, this Socratic kind of thinking, this analytical sense, we look at the soil and then I will make a determination as to whether that soil will receive the seed and take a harvest before I go and sow the seed. And if I'm doing that, I am backwards. Because I cannot ever tell which soil is going to produce the harvest. I remember when we were on uh, Bible school and we did an outreach up in Kenosha, and we were just there, we were just talking to students about Christ. And I remember I've been talking to a whole bunch of different people, and it's like you, you, you're walking around, and anyone who's done this, you try and like look at people from the outside and figure out whether these people are going to be receptive to the gospel. And so you, you have these kind of certain thing, images in your mind of what a what uh, a ripe person is for the gospel. And so then you try and pick those people out. And I remember after a kind of a day of this, um, I was committed to still um, give the gospel to someone and have them make a profession of Christ. Um, and there was a, a girl that I had uh, spotted who I began talking to. And I just thought to myself, this person is shut off to the gospel. They are hard-hearted, and they're not going to receive it. And I began talking um, to this girl. Her name was Megan. And I gave her the gospel, and I thought, this is just super dry. It just seems like, as, I, as I'm listening to this, in my, in my own heart, I'm like, I wouldn't give my life to the Lord if I was hearing this. <laughs> 
And the enemy would do that. He will, he will try and deceive you to make you judge by the outside. And I'm giving the gospel to this girl, and, and I just share in Christ with her, and I end by asking her, would you like to receive Christ today? And she just says yes. I said, no, uh, no, uh, let me ask you again. Did, did, did you say, would you like to receive Christ today? So yes. I'm like, great, I, I, awesome. I knew you were going to say that, and I prayed with her, and she gave her life to the Lord. She's in the church in Kenosha 20 years later today, and we were talking to some friends later. But you can never tell who is ready to hear the seed. But what we must always do is be people who sow the seed. So I want to challenge you today, and I want to ask you some questions, and I want to ask you firstly, what have you received? What have you received in your life? If you're here, you have probably received the gift of salvation, and that's something you can talk about in just simple terms of what it is to you, what it means to you, and you can tell other people about it. You may have received physical healing, and your life has been changed as a result of it. You can tell people about it. You can, you can cause their faith for healing to rise, and you can pray for them. You may have received a testimony of God's provision. If you have, you can sow those seeds, cause other people's faith to rise, and you can create a harvest there. So I'm going to ask you, what have I received? Where can I sow? I want you to ask yourself, where can I sow? Now, you may already have an environment that you are sowing a lot into, and that's awesome. You may be like me, that for a while, when I was in my job, I was trying to figure out, how can I, how can I affect these people with what I've been affected by? And God began to show me how I can do that. So I want you to ask yourself, where can I sow? And I want to also ask you, who can I sow into? I believe that there might be some people, as we're having this conversation today, that you are mindful of and you're recognizing, I know that I need to say something to this person. And I feel like I know what I need to say to them. But you're ready to sow that seed. And if I can ask you to stand with me, we're going to pray together. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give us instructions of how... Of, of, of what we can sow, where we can sow it, and who we can sow into. I want to again just piggyback off the announcements that we had, and I want to ask you to consider coming and signing up for the Scarecrow Festival, that you can be part of this church who is there in the community ready to sow out what you've received as well. We're going to be doing a bunch of practical things, um, but we also, we want to be a voice into the community. We want to sow seeds of life into people's hearts. We want to be ready to sow the seed of the gospel, healing, destiny, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to sow it into the community. And so I want to ask you to consider being part of that, going to our website, lifechurches.life, and signing up to be part of our community outreach into the Scarecrow Festival. So let's just take a minute here, and I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give us instruction. And uh, then I want to invite you to break bread. And I want to invite you to receive 
from Jesus this morning that as you take from the cup as you remember what he did and you remember therefore who you are and you remember what is inside of you as a result of what Jesus did that this is the power of God within you the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that dwells in you And then every time you remember what he did on the cross and you examine yourself and recognize, I am a child of God. I am filled with the life of God. That that power is going to be what what will enable you to be the sower that you are called to be. So let's pray. And then I want to invite you to come up through the aisles and take of the communion. And uh, we are going to close the meeting during a time of communion. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just ask you this morning that you would convict us rightly, that you would that you would show us that we are the workers, that we are the ones who have received something and that we are here to freely give. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would show us where we are to sow in a way that we haven't already what we are to sow and anyone specifically to whom we are to sow into that we leave here doing things differently we leave here being ready to speak we leave here being ready to share just our experience and what you've done for us that other people can receive that and be changed by it I ask you Father for a a newfound strength and zeal to come over us as a church, over us as a people, that we are hungry to do what you called us to do, that we are hungry to be a people that speak into the community, that, that see lives changed because of the seed that's within us. So I ask you for that in Jesus' name. And I ask as we take of the bread and we take of the wine that we would know your power within us and we would know that we are unstoppable and that we would receive the baton and we would be ready and eager to go and serve.